on this episode of Keeping It Real. Let's get real. Happy TE Tuesday, my little crystals. It's a great day to be alive. We are walking, we are talking, we are breathing. And if you're lucky enough, you have hot water. Let's dive right into it. TE Tuesdays is all about the animals, baby. And today I really want to talk about the history of animals and how much they are essential to not only where we are today, but with everything that's happening with the domestication of our foods and what we're eating and our crops, it's so important to know why T.E. holds animals so close to his heart. This is not just something to make us feel good. These animals do all have a purpose and are part of our ecosystem of why we exist. Nothing changed the world more than what we know through domestication. And anyone that doesn't know what domestication is, it's to domesticate a species to our own liking. It is to tweak and change, to move and to create something that is more adaptable for us humans. Once the human found the knowledge that we can start to shape the environment, we really started to control the source of food and what we started to grow. And that's when this time we start to notice we as a society stopped giving up on really hunting and gathering and the lifestyle of becoming a farmer emerged. So today I really want to get into the history of animals and how they're the biggest key to where we stand today and what we need to do to protect our world. I wanted to look up domestication and it's the process of taming an animal and keeping it as a pet or on a farm. It is also the cultivation of plants for food. It's the process of making someone fond and go at home life and tasks that involves it. Anyway, that's not that ignore that one. That's that it's as humorous. The two are the process of taming an animal and that is being an animal being learned and taught how to be a house pet or being on the farm and the cultivation of our plants or crops. How did we get here? We got here with the animals by our side. We were able to conquer the world. We started to really build our societies on the backs of animals, things that really changed our lives altogether. Going back tens of thousands of years, we were governed by one thing only, and that is Mother Nature. The seasons, the movement of the animals, our ancestors 
the first humans that walked this land during even the ice age. They were just observers of nature and being a part of the ecosystem. We were just another species within the mix of the thousands that were roaming the earth. Fast forward to 20,000 years ago when the ice age ended. This is where things really sped up. Animals really started to expand because everything started to melt. And they were like, the animals were like, yes, we get more range. We get more land. We get to go explore. And so you could think of like bison, reindeer, Rudolph the Red Rose reindeer was one of the first key species. Cow, cattle roamed these lands. Even the mammoths, even the freaking mammoths were here. And observing energetically, these animals at the time lived in fear from two predators, one being the wolf. They were power leaders throughout history because they hunted in packs and because they worked together in the wild, they took down those big motherfucking animals and were able to take down bigger prey that other dangerous animals were not able to. They were working as a team. And at this time, humans being, again, more of a spectator, looking, observing through the animals, through nature, they started to see how these wolves were interacting with these bigger livestock so they can, you know, harvest this as even as the wolves. Humans were like, wait a minute, why aren't we working with the wolves? And they started to actually domesticate the wolf. And that might even be the first animal to be known to be working alongside humans. They didn't get fully domesticated right away. They would work alongside. And after a while of following these wolves and seeing where they were hunting, the wolves started taking notice that, wait a minute, these humans are looking for what we want. They can help us out because they have weapons. We're quicker because we have the speed and we have more packs to take it down. So they started to work together. And this started to really change history because this is going back 15,000 years ago. The wolf was just a wolf. And now when we think of the wolf, a wolf is a dog. That's where we get our dogs from. Egypt, China, Rome, all these different places started to domesticate the wolf and it became known as this dog. It really started to follow into taking these wild animals that were being observed and us humans started to work with them. And that started to kind of lead into us working into plants and then nurturing a lot of what we know as like cereal. That would be like the wheat, the barley. Humans are getting somewhere. Just from the wolf, we now have unlocked domesticating crops. We have in South America, potatoes being domesticated. We have in China, rice being domesticated. And we found this out 9,000 years ago when they were starting to be domesticated because through 
the deliberation of taking these little plants and then putting them all together, they started to create these bigger crops. And then they actually started to crossbreed different rices from around the world. And this hibernation, even to this day, still feeds more than half of the world's population. All starting from the wolf. All starting from the animals. Empires, dynasties started to grow farms. This has become a sensation. We have found a way to domesticate plants and animals. Hunters and gatherers are now farmers. Dad, you could be a stay-at-home dad. You don't have to go out anymore. You only have to hunt for meat once in a blue moon when you need that big, big piece to harvest for a few months and then you can go do it again. You're now using these animals to get milk and to have cattle on your land so that you can actually start to create these different societies where we're not now living and operating in survival. We're starting to coexist and work and partner with these animals, but at the animal's own exploitation. We're kind of, as humans, exploiting the animal because during these thousands of years of progression to even where we are now, we have taken away and sorted and pulled and tweaked and made these different normal energies into something to use in our advantage, not necessarily what's best for the animal. So just think for a second, as a human species, we're starting to now eat these different crops, eat these different foods, this different nourishment. We're now producing different species within even us from babies now having these different nutrients in their body. And the energy is just shifting drastically. We start to really look at our prey, our animals that are out in the wild differently. We started to really observe even more deeply, more consciously, how can we start working with these animals that we once thought were a threat? The human consciousness is now expanding. We're becoming more aware as a species and we start to really study these small groups. Mouflonk is the first, which is the descendant of what we know as a goat how they interacted with one another. They were able to have a social tenderness where humans were able to interact. And through domestication, we were really able to start breeding quickly these different forms of animals and having it be a great source of meat and leathers that were at their own disposal, at our own disposal. Humans were like, you know what? We're going to make these crops. We're going to move what they need to eat. We're going to put them where we live. We'll take care of them. And when we need to eat, we'll eat. How they found this out was even through the bones, through looking and archaeologists finding these collections of this beautiful, huge, I want to say indigenous because it is so indigenous, majestic animal all these bones were collectively 
together on these settlements, these cities, where they were like, wait a minute, were they taking the Muflok and actually taming them and putting them in different gated surroundings? And they were! That's exactly what they were doing. They were being raised to be harvest. The domestication in the Middle East started to expand and these animals really started to shape how we lived by us shaping the animals to shape our needs. Think of the modern sheep. It's to this day one of the most domesticated livestocks because we have over a billion in population. They ain't going extinct. Why do you think that? It's because we have domesticated this animal. These animals may not be going extinct, but their ancestors are, and if not, have already. The descendants of even the Ubaks. The Ubaks are in the Middle East. They are the descendant of the goat, the sheep. These are all different cousins of different animals. And even though in the Middle East were able to manage because it was easy to breed them. You get the meat, you get the milk, you get the skin, you get the hair, you get the bones from material, and now you got eating utensils. We are really becoming selfish. Look at these material things we want. We're now using rib bones to use as a fork when we could use our hands. Now, this is important because the goat and the sheep were just ideal for all far farmers at this time. They were easy to be flocks and they survived every terrain. I mean, they go up these slopes, volcano, winter, you name it. And there was a period where before we learned how to harvest, because they were easy to move and migrate, people would just get up and move and then they would start all over again and have their home and maybe they would live there for three, four months and then move again. And what this kind of started to create is really changing the land and there started to becoming more plants. There started becoming more different ways of using the livestock. We started actually cutting down trees and then building like homes. I'm getting sidetracked. You understand how we came from the homo sapiens to building a home. I don't have to get too deep into that. Let's fast forward a thousand years later when really sheep and goat started to help people stay at home and be able to stay in one place. Because not that these were able to stay in one place, but the knowledge of, wait a minute, we need to start observing more animals to see which ones we can keep at home so we don't have to move because we're tired of moving with the flocks. What was the next animal to be domesticated Drum roll, please. Ba, 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 ba. The pig! In Asia, in the Middle East, they started to observe the wild boar. And they started to really harvest and eat this. But they also noticed that they had a lot of aggressive ten tendencies. So this is where gene pools started to happen. And how we started to tweak and actually breed these animals to be more less aggressive so that we can stay in one location 
without having to move livestock. Pigs ate everything. They ate the scraps of the meat and that even helped fertilize the crops. It was just really great of us humans to integrate ourselves to work with this adaptable animal. This animal through seeing the babies that were less aggressive, the humans would take them, we would take the babies and then breed them with, again, less aggressive boars to the point where over time, we now have our modern day pig. What's interesting and really fascinating about the pig is after the domestication of these boars, sailors used them. They would take the pig and go on long journeys to just explore different pieces of land. And when they would go to islands, because these animals were so adaptable, some of them went loose and they started to really migrate into Europe from China, from the Mediterranean Sea. They started to expand and this animal started to be more wild. So now Europe can domesticate this animal. It started with China, now it's Europe. And then the Europe, then it started the domestication of the Americas. China was the first to domesticate the pig. And that's how it kind of spread wildfire through every other country. It actually started to become a norm for us humans to have pigs at home. It was easy for us to recycle the meat that gone bad or that we couldn't eat or use. Pigs ate everything. So they were really intentional at this time. They weren't doing slaughterhouses yet. They would wait to even recycle the pig's meat once the pig lived a full life to then even harvest that as food for them. So multi-purposed, not only are they using the pig to stay in one location, but they're also using it to be able to fertilize their crops and they are letting this animal live a good life so that they can then recycle this meat. It's really, really incredible to see the journey of a wild boar be where it is today. So we got the pigs, we got the goats, we got the sheeps, but us as humans, we still want more. Then comes the or ox, and the or ox is the modern day cow. The or ox had really big horns and they were really dangerous, but because they were so massive, it was worth it to yield the meat. They started to figure out a way to be able to tame these wild bison to really be able to start even cultivating a new form of cattle by even manipulating those genes so that we were able to tame the behavior of not even having horns being produced, being bred. They started getting smaller. Now cows have no horns. This prevented injury when they were putting them in closed areas to house, to domesticate. Then this started even a bigger consciousness awakening of working with the dog in another level, of being able to work together to 
tame, to move, to communicate with the sheep, with the cattle. The dogs were now being the farmer's helper and making sure their livestock were being safe and kept where they needed to be. So even think this, the domestication is now even getting stronger to the point where the dog is now the wolf. The dog that once was a wolf is now being used as another function as we continue to evolve. Using the cattle, we now have beef. We have now dairy. But it's just so wild to me because the first role that this animal ever had, especially from its horns and how big they were, was power. Way before horses, they were the first animal that really were used to move things around and be a source of transportation. Maybe not for long distances, but just to move things around the farm. Their ancestral horns were used with the stars to point in the direction of where they wanted to bring their pack, which was so beautiful. This animal was using nature to even navigate and have direction, which we learned from. Cattle spread like fire throughout the world. There's even parts of the world like India that has the zebuk and the zebu. I don't know if I'm saying it right, zebuk. Zebu, excuse me, I just burped. It's the cow that is more of an original of the orc. And they're protecting this because it's becoming extinct without the mutation of combining cousins again to bring back this breed. The Indians believe that they hold sacred power and they really like to protect this ancient animal this descendant that brought us our cows that we have as cattle today. These are different breeds of cattle, of course, but it really started to evolutionize our families. We started to really plant fields. We started to be able to carry heavier loads. And we really started to turn a point in history through our animals. I said animals, so sexual animals. I don't know why I said it like that, but it is so true because now we're at a point in time where owning livestock started to equivalate wealth. Yes, it may have started the division in labor societies, but I don't have to get that deep. We still work and use milk meat, the fertilization, the leather, even right now and how we do planting, it has become a modern way of taking these plants and making them into proteins. Absolutely beautiful to see how we start to adapt to be where we are today by manipulating and changing the environment, the animals that we're working with to benefit our own needs. The gazelle to the moose, even hyenas, all of these were viewed, observed, studied to the point where humans are now understanding what animals are more adaptable. This may be one step for the human race 
But I also, at this time, am thinking of at what cost of the animal's life are we doing it at? What expense are we doing it at for their soul, their spirit? Even looking back another four to 6,000 years ago, there was a lot of cave art during the Ice Age that revealed these large horses. They are known as the Tarpanes. And they survived very cold weather, hence why they even survived the Ice Age. They were brought about to be domesticated in Central Asia, and it was really the birthplace of where horses were born. The horse started to become a new source of transportation as humans started to learn to use this as a piece of technology and to ride the horse as almost like a car, what we have today. So the horse, horsepower, was the first car. So fast forward 6,000 years later, the tarpene is now the horse. We are able to pull carts. We are able to go and send mail across to different counties and cities and societies. This is a whole new wave that opened up not only societal systems, but communication, networking. Horses ultimately can even be the key that opened up the gate to helping us spread more of our species around the world because now we're able to travel. It's getting a little easier for us to migrate and to see how other different landscapes are thriving, different climates, different locations. And this might be a stretch, but this could also be energetically why we were forced into war. It opened up those channels of having these different social classes based on what you had to trade. What were, what were your livestock like? What were you domesticating? What were your plants like? Horsepower is what fueled the world. Even going back to the Arabs, the Tibetans, the Native Americans, horses were the heart of these societies. Donkeys, wild donkeys come from Africa and they were transported through the Arctic parts of the world, which then they migrated and they became domesticated and so on and so on. These packs were able to carry heavy loads and be able to really transport, even if it was a couple miles to different towns, different cities, different locations with even in your own society, it became a vehicle. North Africa at this time are working with the camel. They're like, let's domesticate the camel. They were able to tame it in Mongolia. This is where they had found evidence that, yes, it's terrible to do selective breeding because throughout time, we're diluting that gene pool to the point where we are extincting, we're putting to bed, what is the rest? What's the word? To instinct are the descendants of these animals because by taking away these genes, they're not being bred properly to the point where it's natural. And what they found was with camels, it was the complete opposite. 
it actually was really good that they were domesticating these because this animal was not like any other animal at its time. This animal was able to take on the desert and the desert at this time was a no man's land. The camel could last five days without drinking, making us humans be able to go out and explore the desert and meet other different types of camels. And they would breed naturally that way to the point where they can even explore deeper parts of the desert because the camel was naturally integrating and evolving towards whatever climate that was changing for the people where we were moving, where we were migrating to. It allowed our culture to really penetrate the desert and claim it as our own. Even the Australian settlers, they were introduced to camels by Africa and don't believe in everything the Bible has to say. The Bible is so confusing because there is literally proof that at this time, there were already these different types of breeds of camels. And the Bible mentions a camel a lot, yet they were compiling these different generations that before there wasn't even the first domesticated camel where it reached that area. So a lot of the camels that they were talking about didn't even reach that area in time throughout history of what they're saying. So it's kind of contradictory. They're saying, hey, we were around camels, but history and science is showing us that no, the bones weren't there. They can't, There were no camels in sight until a thousand years later where when this book was then not written. So just be careful and know that the Bible isn't all what it's cracked up to be. It's really a source to understand that don't take it so literal. What can you take out of it that represents love? And as long as you do it from that point, I'm all for the Bible. But again, they the Bible is wrong about the camels. Camels were not even there at that time in history, and we know that through the proof of science in modern day history, in in our history books today. We humans are growing, we are expanding, we are becoming more consciously woke to the point where now we're using these giant camels to even the smallest bees and maintaining honey from keeping hives at home. We can track this 9,000 years ago from Egypt. Egypt was using the wax and the honey. They were using it to make pottery and to even have it as a form of sugar. Even using honey as medicine to seal wounds, to even be able to use the sap from the honey to mummify their loved ones. Which, speaking of Egypt, let's get into the cats! The cats were already being called back from the crops because when the crops started to really bloom in different societies, a lot of rodents came about and started to really evolve. And cats 
actually ate rodents. They were wild cats that really come from Africa. These wild African cats were what Egypt really treasured. And if anything, the Egyptians were the first, the first, at least in history, in recorded history, to domesticate the wild African feline. Thinking about the history and learning about this, you can start to see the domestication being diluted to the point where cats were being sacred and honored and used in a different form to even having it be a function to have pest control to now, if you think about cats, we keep them to cuddle, which now we have over 100 million cat lovers. It then turned into rabbits being used for meat, and you could think of us even then domesticating rodents, like the ferret, to then go get us rabbits to eat as meat. We are domesticating left and right. Now we're at poultry. We can't forget about the chickens or the turkeys or the pigeons and the duck and the geese. This domestication started to spread throughout all nature. And it was really from the knowledge throughout the thousands of years that humans exploited these poor animals. They started to really tweak the species and it really flood through every ecosystem to the point where even fish were a target. Poor Nemo's. Oh no, what are we doing? We are now tweaking more genes of marine life to maintain it easier to distribute as a source of food. We are also using it as a way in modern day, which I love in a positive way, to stop the exploitation of living livestock because now that these fish are not being wild caught to be kept and then just killed. We have come up with new ways of housing and breeding our own and staying away from the wild to preserve their life, to preserve our ecosystems. We, through history, need to understand that we have exploited animals through domestication. Yes, will we not be where we are today without them? Absolutely. But we now know, we have the knowledge that we actually took away their freedom. We took away how they can make their choice. We took away even them being able to mingle with other species or even choosing who they're mating with. What is this? We are now enforcing life on another soul being. We are part of these mammals. We are a mammal ourselves. We are a human. The lines are now becoming blurred between our partnership. Yes, it's great for food and clothes, but it is awakening and has awoken a whole nother animal, which is really the trade-off of humans 
that we are domesticating them to the point where these animals are now dependent on us to provide for the food, the water, the medicine, to make sure they're safe from other predators out in the wild. It's mind-blowing! Energetically, from my heart to your heart, I'm going through the history so we can understand that we are now right this second in war with mother nature we are using pesticides to control insects we are shooting down birds killing rodents to protect our livestock and our crops we're killing off the gene pool of our ancestors we're even poisoning animals in fear of them attacking what we have materialized. Foxes are being killed while cats are being trapped and killed. It doesn't make sense to why this day and age, the knowledge, the consciousness of even the collective to know that we are putting our relatives to extinction. Our big predators at one time in life are now missing. And even the ones that are still remaining in very, very limited space and spots within our world are being targeted. East Africa will literally right now in 2023 are hunting lions in revenge for them eating their cattle. So we are losing the carnivores, the the first kings of our land, and we are killing our ecosystems. Animals, plants, changed the way we live. And ownership changed how we interacted with other traditions. Not even traditions. I want to call it division. It created division. Cows, they became the trademark of starting what we know as the economy. Starting to have class systems. All at the expense of Mother Nature. Our animals, our plants. Hundreds, if not thousands are rare and extinct right now as a result from importing livestock and domestication. The dodo bird no longer is even here. We can't even make the dodo bird. Miss you, dodo. Eco plants, they're dying. They need certain animals to even thrive to continue the energy of what universal love even is, that everything is in flow with each other. We're meant to be working with one another. We went from taking this as a sacrifice to taking away the soul of an animal and forgetting that they paved the way for us to even learn how to create our world we live in today. They showed us, they taught us 
how to love, how to fight, how to survive. You don't be seeing wild cows because it doesn't exist. We replaced this with tempered modifications, artificial animals through domestication. Animals changed our human fate. The animals got us to places to build where we are living right now. We have to thank them. Yes, we are the reason why they are going extinct. And it's important we don't lose sight of where we come from. We are tweaking the genes. But at what cost? Trying to protect our farms for our needs. Again, it's not at a good cost because even doing overbreeding through plants and animals, it's more susceptible to disease. They don't have their natural systems. It's getting diluted. Why do you think climate change is happening? We need to look into the future. How can we help the wild? And I'm not trying to be negative. It's just the truth. The start of breeding, the gap in wealth, the fight in land, the the disruption in the ecosystem, the extinction of species. These are all things that have happened through domestication. But it doesn't mean that the start of partnership between human and animal didn't change our history. It shaped our success. It actually holds the key to our success, but also the key to our failure. What does the future look like? How can we handle this relationship moving forward, knowing the history of where it all started? Domesticating plants and animals changed and created our history and will change it again if we don't give our ancestors a place to thrive. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed me doing a little pivot on TE Tuesday. I know I usually like to take an animal that has been coming to me that I've been seeing and share the spiritual symbol symbolization, the spiritual meaning of what it means to me and how I can channel that power and use it throughout the week. But this switch up I felt was necessary to hone in on the power of the history of our ancestors and why they are a powerful tool in channeling and connecting to all that is, all the universal frequencies, vibrations, our higher selves. And I hope you can take away knowing that we can start by really thinking about our choices when it comes to how we are treating our animals. When in doubt, don't forget to crystal it out. Make it a great day.